Hello everyone and welcome <laughs> to the Eden Gavin podcast. We are so glad to have you with us yet again, whether you're listening in the car or in the bath, which I always find a bit strange that people will listen um, in the bath. We're grateful for your presence uh, all the same. I hope you're having a great summer. It's been really, really warm. Well, at the time of recording, it's sweltering. I have with me a very special guest. Say hello. 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 <laughs> and your name is? So I'm Dave Corsine. Yeah, I, well, I didn't want, so I was going to introduce you as David, and then I was like, can I call him Dave? I don't really know. Do you know, only my mum calls me David. Maybe and I, usually I might do when it. I've done something wrong. So I'd have kind of had a, had a shiver if you'd have called me David. I might do that if, <laughs> if it makes you, you know, no, um, that's really cool. And mate, we're so grateful to have you here because you've just come off a long drive. Yeah, no, I've headed back from um, from Shrewsbury. That's so why I've been um, been seeing lots of cars on the A14. But no, it's uh, yeah. it's great to be here and uh, and chatting with you guys too. So oh. thank you for inviting me. So just for a bit of context, um, me and Dave, well, this will be the first time we've ever properly spoken, really, wouldn't it? Be really, other than you just tweeted me to say you were going to be late. <laughs> um, and we've had little passing words, but we've never sat down over coffee or anything. No, absolutely. It's actually quite rude that you haven't invited me out for coffee. Or well, anything, you know... Kind of could say the same thing back as well, yeah, I guess. Yeah, you know, okay. You know, no, let's call it quits. This yeah, is okay. nice anyway. We've, we've um, done it now with a couple of microphones <laughs> and a and a fan and a glass yeah. of water. So the fan <laughs> is back. If you were, um, you know, there might be a slight whirring in the distance because this fan, uh, I mean, we're in the middle of a heat wave, so just bear with us on that. But I'm sure Alex will be able to edit out. Um, he has to edit these uh, podcasts quite heavily sometimes anyway, so a little bit of fan noise won't bother anyone. So um, as you're getting to know Dave through this podcast, I'm also getting to know Dave through this podcast. So I've already learned that his mother calls him David. But only um, when I do things but wrong. But only when you do things wrong. So I'm just going to stick with Dave, if that's okay. That'd be cool. Um, I'm Ben. Not Benjamin. <laughs> no, I'm not Benjamin. Um, <laughs> my mum doesn't even call me Benjamin. So I've been really, really naughty. That would be like a grandparent like telling me like, and then there would be some sort of spanking. No, you can't say that on a podcast. I don't want anyone to call child lie. It's, it, it really is okay. Um, anyway, moving swiftly on. Dave, tell me a bit about yourself. What do you do? So my day job is that um, I run health clubs and day spas in hotels and in standalone clubs across the country. So yeah. part of a company called Mosaic um, mm -hmm. and we have around 35 sites around the country that we operate mm. and we employ around 550 staff. So um, my job, I'm very fortunate, gets to take me to kind of visit those sites and to find some new ones and yeah. to help develop the teams that we've got within those sites. And I particularly focus on a couple of our uh, clubs and contracts that I particularly look after, one of which is in Shrewsbury, which is a wonderful club. But which just, is where you've just driven back. And where I've just so, driven from, but just unfortunately... A, a bit too far away from Suffolk, ideally, but yeah, hey, yeah. Hey, there we go. So, yeah, so that, they, that's they're kind of centred around Suffolk, like, or is it all over the UK? No, it's all over the UK. So yeah, wow. we've got sites up in uh, Glasgow, uh, down well, that's in Dartmouth, a lot than and uh, crossing Cardiff. So oh, uh, so you're really spread. So out. we are pretty much spread around the UK. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm sure that I heard that you started this out of fresh out of uni. Yeah, basically. Go on, tell me about. That. So basically. Um, I kind of fancied having a go at running my own business and decided that if I was going to do that, it would be a good idea to start when I'm straight out of uni. I've got no real commitments I, and I've got the chance that if it all goes um, wrong, that actually I can still recover and build a So you're a single guy else. out of uni? Like yeah. 
So at uni, and I met a guy that I'd uh, I was really good mates with, and we got on really well. And he had a similar sort of vision. So we sat down one day and decided that once we'd finished our our courses, that maybe we'd look to set up our own business. And and at that time, which was in the uh, in the late eighties, uh, we just recognised that there were a lot of hotels that were building health clubs. We'd both done degrees that were around. Um, business studies but in the context of leisure and okay. recreation yeah. and so we saw a bit of an opportunity to go well, in I'll have and, go at this. Uh, yeah exactly exactly and so um we started with one site um one other member of staff other than ourselves and uh and off we went and 31 years later we're still we still survive so um i think and it's too late now it's too late <laughs> now to have another career and you still That's got the it. same business partner yeah wow. pretty much so um we've been through a few different um structures so we sold mm-hmm. the business we bought it back we bought some additional oh, investors wow. um so we've been through some different chapters in our story if yeah. you like but principally myself and steve taylor who set the business up yeah we're still through we're still highs and lows or i mean like when you say like you started out of uni and now you employ like 550 people that kind of to me seems like if it was on a graph it would just have like a really high point and a really low point from when you started but I imagine from what you've just said, there's kind of been some highs and some lows. And yeah, absolutely. No, there's been some really challenging times. There's been times when you know the future of the the business has has been called into question. It's, it's, we, we've had some real battles on our hand. We've been through some interesting experiences under different ownership structures, um, but. Uh, yeah, we've still sort of survived to the tail. But no, you're absolutely right, Ben. I mean, it, it's um, it's been more of a roller coaster than a than a straight straight yeah. line graph. And interestingly, I think you know we had to grow with the business, so we were we were completely wet behind the ears. You know, we were we were in our very early twenties, and um, we'd never done business before. We were straight out of yeah. school and then at uni, and um, I had had another job before, but while I was at uni, but that was it. So we were really, um, we really had to learn and grow mm. as the business grew. And, I find and that so inspiring. Honestly, honestly, I do find it so inspiring. And what, 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 so, so I'm just trying to think of you just coming out of uni. Um, Christian? No, actually, no. no talk, I didn't, talk to I, me about how you've like, how you yeah. became a Christian. Or, so, um, I suppose the answer to that would be that I've always had an inquiring mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up uh, next door to a church. We lived next door to a oh, church wow. in uh, in London. And so my my initial impression of church and people at church is that um, our garden ran alongside the, the church car park. And these people would go to church, they'd, they'd go to the service, they'd come out, um, they'd then reverse back a bit too far, they'd smash into <laughs> our garden fence and break it. And then wow. my mum or dad would go around and challenge them about it and they'd deny flatly they'd done it. And so I always had this kind of impression that's the of, church, brilliant. Of, uh, of kind of, so for me, that's my first impression well, where, of church. Just and, help me visualise it. Are we talking like, what sort of church are we talking about? Like big, like kind of spiry sort of... We're, no, we're talking a modern building, but yeah. a traditional Church of England, quite, okay. quite a high church. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was my first impression. So, I, but I've always had an inquiring mind. I, um, you know, I'd always be interested in faith-based based, um, programs on the TV, but okay. never really bothered uh, 
exploring it any any further and my so no um, christians in the family or anything like no, that, no no my mum if anything would um would have quite a different uh background so yeah. had some real sense of of faith and belief but but had really got her family was very much into christian science um which which is pretty uh away from yeah, yeah. quite 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 different to the Christian faith that I now know and and, and would have, um, so yeah, that that was that really. And I I first sort of became into faith through um, doing an alpha course when I was um, okay. in my early thirties. And I and so I a friend to, invited you, or yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. Friend invited, decided to go along. Quite intrigued by it. Um, take a bit of persuading, so I actually I had to do two two alpha courses. Okay. Um, but yeah, that, that was my faith journey really at the end of the second alpha yeah. course, I felt ready to, um, to yeah, make that statement of faith and, and, and embrace that in, in everything that I did in my life in the best way that I could. Yeah. And have you held your faith? And so it sounds like, so you started the business and it's kind of like 10 years into your business that you become a Christian yeah. if I'm getting my timeline right. Pretty much. And did the business change? How did your faith impact obviously impacted you as a person how did that impact how you grew your business yeah. what what how kind of big were you in t- 10 years in so at that time we would have been um we would have been around 12 sites and therefore wow. probably in 10 about years. yeah and probably about oh, goodness um probably about 60 or 70 staff what am point. i doing with my life so, i just need to go out and like start a business because like, <laughs> i'm sure it's really easy right <laughs> <laughs> well i think i think starting a business so the first thing is you, we, we got fortunate in getting our first site. So, okay. so that for us, we, we'd seen this opportunity again to the hotel industry and, and running health clubs for them. And I think you need, um, there is an element of, you know, if you work hard, um, you will I yeah. think, make your own luck. I think that that's a bit of a yeah, absolutely. Glib cliche, but I think there is some real truth behind that. But I think that if you, um, so we got, we, you know, we found the first site. That was the first critical step, step along the way. There are certain things that are going to make the business um, succeed, I think. And it's impossible to say, you know, there are five golden rules or 10 golden rules. Or if you do this, you will definitely have a successful business. But there are certain things that you need to be able to, I think, establish if you're gonna if you're gonna set up and run your own business. And the first one is you need you need a bit of a breakthrough moment. Yeah. And so for us, having the the first site um, was the breakthrough moment that gave us a base about which we could build this business. Yeah. Um, secondly, is that you need to I think uh, what we what we were able to do is identify what it was that we were doing in the business, and we identified that. Um, we were going to be health clubs that focused on being friendly. So a lot of people in that, health clubs were fairly new. It was a fairly new concept in, in, in the late 80s. Um, so people weren't really sure how to use them. And so we decided that we wanted to just wow people with our friendliness. So we focused on training the people that we got. And when, mm. when Steve and I worked in them ourselves, that we just focused on that, on that friendly service. So we were very clear about what our what a vision was and what it was that we were trying um, to do. And I think if you're clear, if your vision is clear and you're focused on what you're able to do and you can kind of execute that vision um, and that is something that that your consumers or your customers buy into, 
then you are kind of onto something. And yeah. we were fortunate that that by looking after people, making their exercise as fun as it could be, um, that we were quite successful with the first site that we got. And our other breakthrough moment was that then the hotel that we happened to be based in, um, the the MD of that hotel became the MD of a group uh, of a chain of hotels. Yeah. And so he then started advocating the work that we were doing. And, and we went from... We, we had one site. Turned into for, your sales rep. <laughs> yeah. We went from one site in, in the first four or five years to then having having five sites. And I think my, so, you know, you need your breakthrough moment. You need to understand what your vision is and be clear on that. And then you need to make sure you deliver on it. And then, and then the fourth thing is you need to also recognize when you've got to a point where you need to pause. So businesses are just like anything. You go through growth spurts and then you need to learn to learn to, to, to understand what that means from, yeah. from that and cope with that growth. So we went from having one site to having five sites in the space of about four or five months. And then Steve and I decided at that point, we just need to pause because actually running one site um, is really simple compared to running five sites because suddenly, you know, we've got different locations, we've got different people there, we can't be there the majority of the time. And we had to learn about what that was like to actually work uh, on a multi-site location. And it took us about three or four years to to learn that. And then we were ready to grow again. And then we went to sort of nine sites. And we'd always operated with a very friendly approach to our managers and and, and kind of a very much, they were the same age as us. And so we kind of worked together yeah. and, and played hard together. And, and our yeah. management style was very much, if there was an issue, we sat down with a with a kind of a pie and a pint and sorted them out. Yeah. The problem is when you get to nine sites, you get drinking an awful lot of beer and an awful lot of pies, so, yes. um, which in the healthcare industry is not a very good thing. So... Um, <laughs> So again, we had to grow and adapt and learn. So I think that that, that brings us up to the point where you know we bec- uh, or I became a, a Christian. Was that yeah? We've got we've got nine or ten sites. We've got fifty, sixty staff. We've got mm. a group of managers, um, and and I think that um, what I realised is that the biggest thing for me in relation to work with my faith was that a lot of the people that were coming to our health clubs. Um, were looking for something that was that was missing in their lives, yeah. and they were they were recognizing that that they that they weren't happy with who they were, and they were mm. trying to change who they were through through exercise. And sure, it made them healthier, but there was still is that like an obsession based thing, or do you think some of that, occasionally it was? But yeah. I think I think just people were like recognizing they weren't quite the person that they wanted to be, yeah. and so they hoped through exercise they could change that, and they could yeah. partly. And actually, you know, I think body shape and body body appearance is quite important um yes. but actually um what 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 i realized from coming to faith was actually what a lot of these people were searching for was they you know they were trying to fill a god-shaped hole um Interesting. and so so having come to faith through through alpha course um what i then looked to do is to say well how could we you know, could we take Alpha into health clubs? So rather than have churches wow. running Alpha courses, could we have, um, yeah, health clubs that were running yeah. that were running Alpha courses and bring some of that of the spiritual side into into what we were doing? And so that became one of the first things when I came to faith. Was, so was that, that's really interesting. That's so good, and you, you pulled that off. Um. Yeah, well, I did it in a slightly different way to what I expected to do. So a lot of our clubs are quite small because they're in hotels. So we have between sort of 500 to 1,000 members. So initially, um, I suppose to to tell the story, I came came to 
I came to faith and we were also at a point where we were potentially going through a change in the business and we were about to, we were looking at being acquired as a, as a business. And, um, sorry, I don't know what that means. So somebody was basically, we'd been approached at that stage in the, um, we're now sort of in the late 1990s, uh, mm. just coming to the turn of the, the century. And, um, health club industry at that time was at its most buoyant the values of businesses at their highest everybody yeah. that was investing was looking to get into health club industry because yeah. it was seen as a sexy young industry that people wanted to invest in and so we had a number of approaches for people to buy us and so so yeah. we we were contemplating 12 14 years into running our business whether we should whether we should so cash that, in yeah. at that point um and um without boring with the story but basically we we partnered up with a um a PLC who, who basically acquired us. Um, sorry, I don't know what PLC is. Sorry. PLC is a public limited company, so it's not one that's privately owned. So yeah. Steve and I owned our business. So that would be a private comp- mm. company, it'd be a limited yeah, yeah. company. Um, and a PLC is one that you can buy their stocks and shares on the okay, stock exchange. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's a PLC. Sorry, I'm so, like business like zero. It's like- fine, it's great. No, no, it's, <laughs> good, it's, good to, uh, it's good to have those questions. So, um, so we were bought by this, by this PLC, obviously significantly larger than we were. And, um, I'd just come to faith and I remember that we had two, two things to do really. The first day we had to get the key staff together and the managers and tell them what, what, what had happened and explain to them. Secondly, we had to go and tell our clients. Um, and then it was Easter and I was going to have a bit of a break and I was going to spring, spring harvest. Oh yeah. And I remember praying that god would help me to understand what i needed to do now we were going through this massive change in our organization instead of being just a business that steve and i owned and controlled we were now part of a of a much bigger organization with with more responsibilities but also people that we were were, uh reporting into and um i've been traveling around the country telling our clients then i had to drive all the way down to minehead for um for spring harvest. So spring and harvest is a conference, isn't it? It's like a gathering of different churches all over the place and come yeah. together at Easter. It's Easter time, isn't it? And it's quite a few thousand people there. That's and right. It's kind of like yeah. a church-wide thing, in case you didn't know, because it's not as popular as it used to be, I think. No, Controversially. I yeah, oh, no, just no, there was about, there. There's probably about, I mean, it was held at Butlins and there was, must have yeah. been about three or 4,000 people yeah, when definitely. I went in at that point in time. Adults, probably. Predominantly, yeah. yeah. And so um, we arrived... Um, it was late, and there was a thing on called called uh, Question of Sport in one of the in one of the kind of the tents. Yeah. So um, I just not went Subarka. along, having not seen. She was there, man. It was a, it was, uh, like it was a different, yeah, different style. It was a <laughs> Christian focus spring harvest yeah. questions of sport, and there was somebody there, and they were just talking to them about what they did, and and she said, "Well, we run alpha courses in health clubs," and um, wow. And it felt like so I'd you've just gone been, there like praying, yeah. And gosh, it, that's the first thing. It's a wonderful literally. thing when, when uh, literally, and it was one of those things. We got there about eleven o'clock at night. Right, do we go to bed or do we just try and long journey? Let's go and chill out. Let's just see what this questions of sport thing is all about. Run by Christians in Sport, which is quite a well-known organisation yes. that yeah. helps and supports people who are uh, have a faith and 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 play sport um, and tries to use sport as a way to reach out to people too. So. I went and so that what what transpired from there is that I went to uh, talk to the, the the girl that had, that had said she worked for this organisation, which transpired to be called Fit Lives, and um, and I just felt that very clearly that was an answer to prayer. That was too um, 
amazing a coincidence for that not to be yeah. God inspired. And so that's led to, from that day on, really, an involvement in Fit Lives, which has been about that going into health clubs, not necessarily my own, but going into other health clubs and running alpha courses and providing people to just provide pastoral um, support to wow. people that go into health clubs and, and helping them and in a very just basically helping them to do life that's what that's what kind of fit lives would be about it's evolved into an organization that's now part of the sports chaplaincy yeah so we almost call them it's a bit like, yeah. like a gym chaplaincy yeah and, it, and it's it's living out your faith through through helping people and again with my background having been in health clubs it's a bit like the best analogy I can give is a bit like the hairdresser's analogy where, you know, a hairdresser sits somebody in the chair, they they cut their hair, they 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 do whatever they need to do. And that person just spills out what's yeah. going on in their life because it's someone to talk to and it's a captive audience because they've got to stay mm. there to do your hair. And to a certain extent in health clubs, because of the relationship with an instructor and they're helping you, advising you with your exercise program, there is an element where people tend to, because you're solving one particular problem for them in terms of helping mm. them with their exercise they bring their other non-exercise related problems to, to talk to you about. And, and as fitness instructors, we're not very well qualified to answer those. So what Fit Life tries to do is bring people there that can just get alongside those people and sit and sit and talk to them. Yeah. So, so yes, we have done some stuff through some of the clubs that we, that, that, that I've been involved with directly through my own company, but actually um, my faith in terms of within, within health clubs has been more, work through in my association with fit lives and the way I've yeah. sort of supported that. And I think like, I was just trying to imagine what it'd be like. Is it Steve, your business partner's mm-hmm. name? Um, and did, did you, were you married? At, did you have yeah, were I, you in a relationship at the time you became a Christian? Or? Yeah, I was. Yeah. And um, you're married. I was. And you, and they were a Christian. She was a yes. Christian. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. But I'm just thinking, Steve's not a Christian. No. I'm just wondering what it'd be like if someone came up to me. It's like, by the way, I'm a Christian. I want to run like this thing called an alpha course across our business. I've been like, uh... Yeah. You know, how did you negotiate like that? Or was he just supportive like... So I think think Steve found... um, uh, I I think my sort of coming to faith was not a you know road to Damascus kind of sudden change yeah, kind yeah. of experience it evolved over a period of time and he was aware of that involvement and obviously he as well as being my business partner he was also my best mate so yeah. you know we'd, we'd talk about about lots of things oh, that's cute. he <laughs> he never <laughs> uh he never really wanted to get too um you never really wanted to get too involved in talking about it. And I think yeah. to a certain extent, there was, there was one thing that happened actually. Again, this is amazing how God works, isn't it? So, so um, Steve and, and um, so we were both married at the time, but not to the women that we are now married to, okay. for, for both, both of us, just to uh, kind of put that one out there. And so Steve had been, and his then wife had been struggling to, um, to have a child and then had a, had a miscarriage. And one of, one of my coming to faith moments was where, I um, I asked God to to clearly speak to me if He was out there and and sat there and I had this moment where where overwhelmingly I had this come into my head um, that that I had to go to Steve and tell him that that not to worry that they would have that him and Kim would have a 
have a child. Wow, that is um, that is, and it was tough. just I can't really explain it other than it was overpowering. Yeah, yeah, and but that's um, not an easy thing. Like, oh, so, can uh, you prove it in another way, yeah, please? Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> give me, give me another one. Yeah, but um, so I had so I was so, but I did what, what I did what I felt I was called wow. to. Do, so I went back and spoke to him, and 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 and. He said, well, I was going to tell you in a couple of weeks, but Kim's actually pregnant. And, um, Serious? Wow. Yeah. And so, and, as a, and, and so Lucy was born and she's now, you know, my goddaughter and, and oh. um, she's now just finished at university. So, wow. you know, so, so for Steve, it's, that definitely kind of helped freaked him. him out a little bit, yeah, I think, yeah. in terms of like, that's really bizarre. Yeah. Um, so I think Steve so that made been, you look more or less insane. <laughs> uh, probably more uh, he was more uncomfortable he was more unnerved by it really right? I think from his perspective that that pushed him further away wow. than, than brought him closer together closer to to having a faith um uh without telling his story too much but I mean I, but I yeah, think yeah, sure. for, from from what happened was that he then go forward a few years and Steve then went to went through a very difficult and from his perspective very painful um divorce and um and i helped him through that and one of the ways we helped him through that was he went we went to a a christian center that helps people when they're having a really difficult difficult time and i think he would be i'm really talked to him at length about where he's at with his faith but i think Mm. he would definitely um be closer to god he's come to the forge quite a few times oh cool he he would be closer now than uh, I think he probably has a faith. Um, it's not something we talk about hugely, but yeah. Um, but I, yeah, he, yeah, he has he has come over time to faith. But it's, we, we've kind of sidetracked from your question, which was how did I get the fit lives thing passed in? Well, early yeah, on. yeah. And, well, it's and, just like um, I think you would have come looking like a right loony, but yeah, I think. Well, I think when I explained the reason behind it, and I think he'd seen the impact it had had mm. on me, and I think we both. Complete, you know, one of the things you've got to do if you're going to work together in business, you've got to completely trust each other. Yeah. So, so you know, true. I was able to kind of say to him, you just need to trust me in this one. I'm like, it's mm. not going to be weird. It's not going to be odd. It's just, yeah. and I think it helps some of our members. And he was like, well, okay, give it a go and we'll see what happens. And if rest assured, if we get any grief about it, we're pulling it straight away. Yeah. <laughs> so no, that was, so that was kind of way, way, way it worked. And um, yeah, but, but predominantly Fit Lives was done away from from our own from our own clubs and certainly now actually it's done completely away from any of our own clubs Mm. it's interesting and it's just interesting to hear how you negotiate relationships through business whether that be well obviously you just mentioned about your divorce or with a business partner how has your faith helped or i mean if you're comfortable talking about kind of divorce i don't know yeah yeah I think um, I think it provides you with a uh, something to cling on to. So I think yeah. when you go through difficult times, so we talk about with the business. I mean, one of the challenging things was when we were bought out by the PLC without, again, going through huge amount of detail that's mm. a bit confusing. But effectively, we you the way that we were bought was partly with with cash. Um, but partly with shares in the yeah. uh, in the company, and the way that those companies work is that your your value of a PLC, particularly young PLCs, is based upon 
not too many shares come into the market. If lots of people are trying to sell shares, it's about the old rule of supply and demand, then the share price will drop. So one of the things that we we had was what's called a lock-in, which means we've got all these shares, but we can't sell them for a period of time. And so I got all these shares in this PLC, but I had to hold them for three years. And in that time, um, the price dropped by by 90%. So effectively, I lost 90% of the value of of the business that I sold and spent yeah. all that time building up with, um, which so that's a low. It's pretty painful. Yeah, yeah, pretty pretty hard because you think you're in one position and you're you're in something yeah. different one. So I think what happens there with your with your faith is that you've just got to you, you have to trust God and yeah. you've got to kind of you use I used my faith as a way of. Um, of of just controlling, my, I suppose, controlling my emotions, of 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 gaining uh, hope in what was feeling yeah, like. Yeah. It just felt like everything was was dribbling through my hands in a way, and I got, got no control over it. I had no control over it. So that, um, but but you've just got to hang on in there. And I think with my divorce too, that I would would say exactly the same thing. That yeah. actually, um, I mean, the one thing around my faith was I remember feeling really strongly, although it was a quite a difficult and awkward breakdown of the relationship mm. was that I had to pray for my ex-wife. And mm. so that's what I felt I needed to do. Yeah. However hard that might be, depending upon what the what the behaviours were and what yeah. was actually going on. And so um and and to a certain element it was like that whole thing of feeling like a failure because like I'm a Christian, right? So and she was a Christian or she is a Christian, sorry. And we shouldn't therefore fail at marriage. Yeah. And that was a that was a really hard thing for me to to get my to get my head around. Yeah. Well I really appreciate you sharing because a lot of the guests that we have on maybe won't have been through divorce, but probably half the people that are listening to this will have had some sort of experience with divorce. So thank you so much for sharing it and not making it such a taboo is taboo the right word? I don't know. <laughs> Subject. Um, so yeah, thank you so much. You then, let's, let's kind of bring this to millennials and say, so you employ 550 people. Um, and how do you know how many are kind of millennials? And Yeah, and that's, that's the problem really for, for me in terms of, I suppose, the way that, and, and when I talked earlier on about how you, we've got to evolve and grow and learn with the mm. business is that when we started out, everybody that we employed was the same age as, yeah. as, as Steve and I. And so the way that we related them to them was totally, totally different, you know, and yeah. the age of our employees has pretty much stayed the same. It's always been in there because it's a health club environment or a day spa environment, it tends to be people that are in their their 20s. Yeah. Um, and that stayed the same throughout the business. The problem is that, you know, unfortunately we are not, we're not Peter Pans of the fitness industry or health or spa industry. And so, so we've got older. So now there is a different, a very different age gap, but yeah, you've, you've got around um, uh, 80% of the people that we employ are under the age of 30. And what's it like being a boss to millennials and um, what do you wish millennials were more like what do you love about millennials well i'm just thinking like anyone could be listening to this like a millennial that can't figure out how to get a job because we don't get taught stuff like that in school yeah what would you be looking for what are your kind of highs and lows of working with okay i think i think the um 
you you end up having to generalize here, don't you? Because yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I think I think in general terms, what's happened over time is that partly through the way that you know the politics and the way that the people have grown up and the and the way the world has evolved and uh, digital and 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 all those things that have happened is that people generally are very much more concerned with with themselves and there is a sense of entitlement um and and i think therefore um what we look for is when we're looking for people because we are a customer led customer focused business that's got to give service is we're looking for people that that enjoy looking after others and so that's what is the passion that yeah, we're, yeah. we're trying to find We've always, as a business, said that we're going we're gonna to try and recruit people at the more junior level. We're going tr- to invest in them with their training, and we're always going to try and promote from within. Mm-hmm. So that means we tend, and, and we can demonstrate largely, it doesn't always work, we can demonstrate largely that we do, we do deliver on that. So yeah. we've got a lot of people that have grown with us. So out of our 35 managers, um, 31 of them have been promoted from within our organization. Only right. four yeah, have yeah. come in at a, man- at a manager level. Um, so I suppose what we are looking for in people coming in is that they, that they have a, a, a heart for wanting to go and deliver service because that's what our business is all about. So, mm. And therefore, there is a sense of wanting to look after people and put those people first rather than think about this is actually what, what, what I want. Mm. Um, so I suppose that's kind of looking at how I, but, but that would be different to how people were when we were recruiting 20 to 30 yeah, years yeah. ago. Um, on, the, on the positive side, I think that, um, you know, millennials come with a huge amount of passion and determination and kind of a bit more um, self kind of, promotion or the or one's or self-worth i suppose what i'm trying to say that you know there, yeah. there is a there is a degree of confidence in terms of communication that comes there now because there is so many more communication channels that have opened up with mm. social media yeah, and, yeah. and all that kind of stuff so so i think um yeah i th- I, th- I think through every era there are some there are some change in the way that people behave but actually it always is the same. It comes down to, you know, if you work hard and you help the company yeah. deliver its vision, do you know what? You're gonna you're gonna really progress and do well. And if you if you come in and think, how much am I gonna get out of this? Yeah. Um, that's probably going to be a different type of different type of relationship. Well, and it's good to see that the people that have just worked hard, they seem to be been rewarded by promotion. So it's obviously like you know, you're aware of the people, you're obviously in touch with people and, you know, reward them for working hard, which is also something that I think we can lose track of is that, um, especially maybe in a large organisation like yours, where it might just feel like we're a number in a system, but it's like you're saying no, like 31, I think you said of these people used to be juniors and now they're our managers and that's how we want to run our business. So come work hard for me. Yeah, I think, I think, (laughs) Certainly, that because, and I think the use of case studies is really powerful, isn't it? In terms of people being able to understand and see that other people, are, it's you know, it's easy to talk about. This is what we try to achieve. I yeah. always, I've always think we as a business and, and me individually have always tried to if you make statements. I want to try to be able to demonstrate that I can actually 
prove that that, yeah. that, that is true. You know, ch- yeah. Talk is cheap, but it's really important to actually make sure that you can live out what it is that you say that you're Well, and you said, you said like one of the first things that you said was like cast a vision and go for it. Yeah. So it sounds I, like you've done that so well. I think that works, but I think that works on a, on a personal level as well. So yeah. I think, it, you know, individually, whether it be millennials or any age, it's about what, what can you... Um, what, what's your vision? What is it you want to do? And go mm. after, go after it, and make it and make it happen. So, would that be your like your encouragement to the millennial generation? Yeah, absolutely. I think find so. out uh, what you want to do. Find, find out what your passion is. Try a number of different of different things, um, and and focus on what you're giving to the organization as well as what the organization yeah. is giving to you. So I think it's really important that you find an organization that fits well with, with what it is that you're trying to achieve. Because if you buy into the values of the organization that you work for, you're just going to enjoy your job so yeah. much more. And that's really important. It doesn't, you know, no matter, I mean, our industry, the health club industry is traditionally poor, poorly paid at whatever level actually for, okay. from 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 the most junior to the most senior you know if you looked at um leaders of organizations in the health club industry compared to you know more traditional bigger industries the the levels of pay would be far lower and it would be the same at the more at the at the kind of the coal face um yeah. as well so so i think when you go into a job it's not just about it's not just about the money. Sure, money is really important. Yeah, that's 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 a part of of why we go to work. But actually, there is if you just go to work for the money, you are always going to end up. Yeah, I think slightly frustrated with work. If yeah, you and go you'll never somewhere earn where money, you yeah. where you enjoy the vision and values that you're trying to deliver, then then actually work becomes enjoyable, and we're going to spend at least forty hours a week there, if not more. So actually. Let's find something that we're that we're passionate about, mm. um, and I, th- I think that's that's really that's really important. I absolutely completely agree with you, but <laughs> um, I speak to a lot of people, too many people, that are sitting on their bottoms because they're waiting for that thing that sets them on fire. And actually, my advice is the opposite. So, just tell you a bit of my story. Um, I dropped out of college, got the first job I could. Um, and that was shipping containers from port to port. Um, I worked my way for a different, a few different elements of that job. And that was just when social media started being a real thing, like an actual job. Um, and then I was like, well, obviously I quite like, sitting on Facebook and making that work for my company. So I then headed into the marketing thing, um, which then I then landed a job doing social media, building social media for the largest slavery or anti-slavery organization in the world, which was like an awesome, awesome job. And that's where I was. I split that part time with church work before I came to the forge. And I was like, so my encouragement to people is like, just go out and get a job. Like if you don't know what it is, work. And in the work, you'll find out what it is. Would you think that my advice is completely invalid? And if so, that's totally fine. But do you know what I mean? There seems to be this attitude of like, 
waiting for their dream job when actually I just think a lot of people just need to work. Like, yeah, I completely <laughs> agree. And I was going to say, I actually don't think what, you, what you've said, you've just repositioned in a slightly different way. But we're saying okay. the same sort yeah. of thing, if I'm honest. I mean, what we're, what we're both saying is, you know, go out, find a job, which is what you're saying. Yeah. And, you know, don't wait for the perfect job to come along. I would completely concur with that as well. You know, go out there, find a job, work out whether that's what your your passion is or not mm. and over time you it will become apparent and you've you've been attracted to and and you've worked towards areas which which you've yeah. found passionate about so first of all it was social media mm. and then it was kind of you know working developing that with an anti-slavery yeah, yeah. Uh, situation and, and 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 involving that with church so you've mm. kind of orientated through your work life and the jobs you've taken have got you closer and closer towards yeah. what your personal vision is yeah if you I mean like. like then I did um, kind of like a U-turn but like now I'm just do music but that's yeah. also great that was actually my original passion yeah so I mean I'd music and podcasts yeah podcasts <laughs> but there, there'll be music in the podcast I hope at the end there, there's always music um, so so I think uh, yeah I think I think that's um that's really important that actually maybe I'm just too harsh the point you make is the point you make is that yes, you need to go out and get get a job. Mm. Um, clearly, that's really important because that's what pays the bills yeah. and that's what what kind of gives us a reason to get up in the morning. But um, don't lose sight of your your personal vision and yeah, try good. to try to gravitate towards that where wherever you can. That's really good. Um, and whatever you do, um, you know, one of the things that we try to project in our in our organization is um is making sure that we look out for and do, and, and do the best we can so yeah. I have this, we have this saying that you know good enough is not good enough so yeah. if you just do something and you think oh that'll good be right, that's good yeah. enough um then generally it isn't actually yeah, yeah. because we've not we've not given it our best and so i think that whether that applies corporately i think that applies individually as well to whatever we do so if the job's just oh, it's good enough it'll do for now that's fair enough, but actually look yeah. for something else. Look for where else you could, uh, how you could evolve that role and how you could evolve that that job to make it more more suitable to you. Because anybody, I mean, I I love it when people come to uh, to me within my within the teams with with ideas or suggestions, and and some of the best ideas and suggestions that we've got have been developed by our team. So in our spas, you know, some of the best treatments, some of the most popular treatments with our with our guests have been designed by some of our therapists. And I love that. Mm. that. That's that's fantastic that they've they've thought about what they're passionate about is they yeah, enjoy yeah. delivering treatments and they've thought about it and they come to say, I've got this great idea, we could just tweak this treatment in this way or that way. This is my idea for it. And we've we've incorporated it within what within what we do. So and and those therapists therefore tend to be the ones that that go on and and, and develop. So I think it's uh, and, and get the better role. So I think I think whatever you're doing, it's about trying to find out what it is that you're aligned to and, and giving it your your best shot, even if what you feel you're doing might might be seen by others or even by you as fairly mundane. Doesn't matter. Mm. Doesn't matter. I always remember I was going to the kitchen and there was a new member of staff in the kitchen this morning at Shrewsbury and I gone through the bar area. So I pick up the plates because why not? Why shouldn't I? Just yeah. because I'm in a senior position there's plates and he clearing on the table. I'm perfectly capable of picking them up and carrying them through. I'm not trying to make a point. I'm just, I'm <laughs> it's just not passive aggressive out. plate yeah. clearing. Yeah. And, and, and the, and the, <laughs> the girl in the kitchen went, oh, you're not supposed to do that. And I went, why not? We would do that. 
said, oh, you know, I want you to do that. Why shouldn't I yeah, do yeah. that? And I think that's, um, so yeah, I think you've got to do everything you can the best you possibly can. Would you can. say that your way of running a business is countercultural or do you think there's a lot of good guys trying to give people of our age group, well, probably a bit younger than me, a chance? I don't think... It feels like hard work for millennials to get the sort of work that you're saying, mm. I feel. I guess... Is it our fault or your yeah. fault? <laughs> <laughs> I think I think probably... Um, I think it's 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 probably more the fault of my generation than it is of than it is of millennials. Um, but I think great, I agree. Is, cool, that's the end. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I think there is probably. Um, but I think you know that that's so. What does that mean for millennials? Does that mean then you give up and blame the older generation for making things more difficult yeah. for you? Or do you try and go out and and change the way it is? Yeah. And and I think, you know, my approach in life, whenever there are things that have gone wrong for me, so we became part of a PLC, we were really excited by that. I was really excited by that. I thought I'd learn loads. It was one of the biggest mistakes we made. It cost me a huge amount in terms yeah. of in terms of money and everything else. But I decided that I was what was I gonna do? I was either gonna passively stay there and allow that to impact on me. Yeah. Or alternatively, I was going to go out and change it. And the only way that I could change it was to try and buy my business back. And so, yeah. you know, three years after we sold out to the PLC and with me making the famous statement, whatever I do, I'm never buying this business back. Um, we bought the business famous back. Famous last uh, words. Famous last words. And, that, and, and you know, that, that was um, 13, 14 years ago, actually. Yeah. And, and here I am. So still with that same business. So, so yeah, I, I think... I think it is, there are challenging work conditions. There are all sorts of things out there that are real issues for people at the moment. You know, um, zero hours contracts, um, yeah. you know, minimal commitment from employers toward, towards employees. Mm-hmm. Um, those are, those are real, real challenges, but you've got to go out there and, and work with what you've got and yeah. try and impact change where you can. It's good. I wish you were my boss. <laughs> no, I love I've heard my you've boss. Got a good boss. It's Mr. Duncan Banks. Duncan, we <laughs> love you. I really like you being my boss. Um, so, what else do you get up to, Dave? You got kids? Yeah. So I've got two. I've got Rose and uh, and Millie. Um, so yeah, Rose has just started high school, and uh, Millie's now got one more year before she makes that transition as well. And Miranda is my um, is my wife, and um, okay. she's involved in Next Steps at the Forge, and yeah, that's what we that's what we do. That's cool. I'd love to like, and maybe another time because time's getting on, but I'd love to hear like the challenges of like being a dad and handling the business. But I hear that um, you must get some downtime. You're into your tennis or something. Yeah. Yeah. So I play a bit of tennis. um, And I, um, yeah, I think that, I think the dad thing is, is really important that you, you create space to make sure that you, you do some stuff with them. So it is difficult. And particularly this day and age where emails are constantly on and and that. So, so that's really hard. Um, you're absolutely right. I try and make sure that generally the weekends are our family time and then the week is, is work. So that's generally my, other than when you're down Portman Road. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, but you see Millie's coming with me. She's got a season ticket as well now. That's so so good. So we have, we have some, uh, some time doing that. But yeah, no, I, and I play a bit of tennis. Um, and I 
do a bit of writing when I get time as well. I really enjoy that. Oh, yes. That. I so, had on my notes, ask about the books. <laughs> so what about the books then? So um, The books about tennis? Well, the next one probably is... And oh, the okay. next one, I'm writing one at the moment, which is the second one, which is about the lessons that we can learn for life from playing sport, but particularly tennis. So... Yeah. so um, yeah, You're saying we should all be swingers? <laughs> that was a I'm terrible joke. That, well, yeah, no, <laughs> it's all about terrible. the fact that life's a racket, so oh, there you go. Well, Touché. we should all serve. <laughs> Very good. That's your advantage now. When you were doing research, did you do a baseline study? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, but I, I'm hoping to net quite a bit of money. Oh. How many more puns can we go? <laughs> Yeah, it's too How good. many more can we get in? Yeah, exactly. It's too good to marry a hurry. I mean, sorry. So. <laughs> Alex, you better be umpiring. <coughs> He's going to rule us out. Oh, dear. Stop, so, stop anyway, level. we'll call that good. Uh, love all. Uh, so, so the. Um, yeah, so yes, that's what that book is about. The <laughs> Sorry, first book, that, I don't the, even know what we were talking no, about. No, we, we got completely sidetracked. Um, so let's bring it down to be more serious. Yeah. So the first book was a, was, was a blog that became a book. And, and okay. Miranda had, um, had advanced, was diagnosed with advanced breast cancer. Oh, wow. And so I wrote a, one of my ways of dealing with it and one of the ways to help keep people informed of what was happening was that I wrote uh, a blog that updated people and just tell, told our story as she wow. battled um, battled breast cancer and it was like it was a blog and it ended up with loads and loads of people following it and then breakthrough breast cancer said we've got no materials around how blokes deal with wives I was going to say that's quite a unique yeah it's quite unique so it's not uncommon well, not a unique to, yeah not a unique experience like not, unfortunately correct. but no one's talking about it it's, it's it's quite usual for people to write a blog when they are going through cancer themselves, that's become more and more of a thing. And there are plenty of books written by women mm. about, about it, but not very many by men. So we've turned that into a, into a resource and we use that as well as um, some, uh, we did a ball uh, and, and to raise some funds. And so out of that, Amazing. we've raised just over 22,000 wow. now for, for, can- for breakthrough breast cancer Amazing. and also for, for Ipswich Hospital. We called it the last chocolate brownie. So the whole thing became the last chocolate brownie that was from the scene in the film Notting Hill where they all sit around yeah. and tell the one chocolate brownie left and they all have to tell a hard luck story to decide mm. who's going who's gonna to get the last chocolate yeah, yeah. brownie. So Miranda came up with the idea. She said, why don't we call it the last chocolate brownie? It's our bid to, to win that. That, that must so, have been such a vulnerable... Well, gosh, I can't even imagine what it'd be like to... How how detailed were you? Were you kind of bearing all on there, or was it more yeah, we, we, informative? Or you know, was this just pro- you processing it and just whatever came out came out? Or yeah, a bit of that. Um, I should I should have read it. Was, it. That's bad that's, research. Don't worry, no, no, don't worry. Um, so we, yeah, I think we were were pretty honest. I mean, Miranda wrote a few chapters. I I wrote the vast majority mm. of it, but she she wrote a bit. I think it was. It was a way of processing what we were going through. So, you know, we, and we tried to tackle, or I tried to tackle, um, the difficult subjects. So, so Rose was five and Millie was two um, wow. at the time. And so it was about, you know, how do, we, how do you manage the kids? What do you, how do you tell the kids? You know, how yeah. do you tell them when they're, when they're that age? What do you tell them? How much do you disclose? Um, how do we cope with, with the business and with, and with all else, what's going, what's going mm. on as well. Um, so yeah, we just tried to be, we just tried to be honest and real, and 
but I also tried, you know, we, we tried to find the humor in it as well, you know, and, and, and so I tried to, to just tell the, the story of how we were trying to, yeah. to get through that, that process really. I think it's so good. And like, there's obviously such a need for it because just because it's more high profile, I guess, but you know, this Simon Thomas mm. guy, like he shared yeah. what's, that's what made me think of it is like, that's really similar to what Simon Thomas, um, is, well, he's kind of just doing it through different kind of Twitter and social yeah. media, but that's struck a nerve with so many people, isn't it? He's just a, a dad that unfortunately he's a Sky news presenter or actually my age group will know him, Simon from Blue Peter. Yes. Um, but he um, lost his wife to yeah. a, a type of cancer, wasn't it? He did, um, yeah. And is now left with his, his young boy and he's kind of just documenting the hardships of that. Gosh, it's just absolutely heartbreaking. Yeah, I mean, he... So, I mean, my story, fortunately, is obviously Miranda was has come through it. And, yeah, and we're, amazing. And we're six, seven years on and, and she's um, still around. So... That's that's a positive story, then, yeah. and uh, and in, often in these cases it isn't the case. He's really picked the story up, hasn't he? Because I mean, the uh, the his situation was horrendous because she was diagnosed. It was like it really uh, literally fast, diagnosed yeah. on the Friday and died on the Sunday. But or again, whatever. like and he's think, a Christian, isn't he? As well, he is, and he and he's talked about that aspect of his faith, and and um, yeah, I mean, it's been some pretty pretty powerful stuff, and I think. I think that is one of the, you know, there's, we've talked a bit about millennials and we've talked a bit about social media and there's many downsides of social media, but there's some real, some real upsides Definitely. because you can draw strength from, you know, um, so many messages and, 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 and it was incredible actually when I was doing mine and, and blogging, the number of messages and, yeah. and, and positive comments that you're getting and it, yeah. it really helped. I mean, it really, really helped. You know, the one thing Miranda said to me on the day that she was diagnosed and we were driving home from the hospital, I said, right, if there's one thing you want me to do to help you what's what's the one thing I said there'd be loads of things but what's the one thing and you said I don't want to do chemo on my own I want you to be with me and I do chemo and that's a day-long process and so um it all started really she uh, she was diagnosed just before Christmas and uh, because they wanted to get it started really quickly because it was quite advanced yeah. the only slot they had was Christmas Eve it's because wow. no one wanted to have chemo on Christmas Eve so they could fit her in and so we so I'm thinking, I'm going to sit in hospital all day on Christmas Eve. What am I going to do? Because it, you know, you just literally sit there. So, so, um, so that's where the blog, the blog came from. And actually, oh, but then we started evolving it and, and writing more regularly. But, but it was the 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 feedback that came back that did make uh, that definitely helped. Definitely, mm. definitely helped. Wow. And your second book. So my second book is yeah, it's come about. Um, I enjoyed the process of writing more than I thought I would. So, so I've kind of carried on with a bit of a blog that is just the odd story from time to time. That yeah. I, I put under beautiful skies because we live in Suffolk. It's the it's the place with where where there are beautiful skies. Yeah. Um, and and I've enjoyed that. Um, and and we run this uh, health club in Shrewsbury that has. Um, indoor tennis it's a big part of what they offer obviously mm. that's something I really enjoy and um, and we have a tournament that, that attracts professional players from all over Europe that we run oh, yeah. we run twice a year any and, names you can throw uh, out well we've just who had, are you pally with we've come on. just had drop uh, some names our in. first um, we've all our strap line is that we promote it in Shrewsbury to get people to come along is that you could be watching a future Wimbledon champion because um, 
these are players that are up and coming and will then, yeah, could yeah. then we'll end up in the in the in the top ten. Um and people always used to tease and go, yeah, but you've never actually had anybody that's played at Shrewsbury that's been a Wimbledon champion. Well, um certainly not Wimbledon singles champion. Well, we have now, because Angelique Kerber played at uh, Shrewsbury. Uh in 2012 oh, and cool. uh, this summer she became the uh, the women's Wimbledon, Wimbledon do you know, champion do you want to know something so, really uh, terrible you didn't know I, that, did you no I didn't even know Wimbledon happened I was like I'm sure they cancelled that because of the World Cup <laughs> it was all go. football it was all yeah. football this yeah. summer yeah. not in my house it wasn't no we, we had it split 50-50 really? we had the football and then the tennis yeah, yeah. but anyway so um, so the idea for the book has come out of meeting some of those players and understanding their stories and yeah and trying to write those stories down because we also have a guy there that takes this amazing photography. So he wanted to kind of show off his photography and then, and then, yeah, I just actually, I could take his photography of some of the key players and then, and then tell their stories. So that's what we're working up at the moment is, Mm. is what, what lessons can we learn from these players and, and how they, how they perform? Because life as a professional tennis player, unless you're in the top 100 is tough. So if you it's football, you, you yeah. talked about football. Football's a really good analogy. So there's each Premiership squad has 25 players. So there's 500 players playing in the Premiership. And they're not necessarily the top 500 in the world, but there's 500 players playing the Premiership. The lowest played player in the Premiership earns 10,000 pounds a week. A week. You, a week. If you go, if you go into My life. that's the lowest <laughs> player. So, so that's the lowest paid. So so if you go, so that's um, that's. Uh, you know, that, that's, that's a huge amount of money yeah. and you can li- live off that. Um, if you, just about. Just about, yeah. If you go to tennis and we would have players playing at Shrewsbury who regularly would be in uh, the top 200 in the world and if they win our event at Shrewsbury, they go home with a cheque of about £3,000. So that's for a week's work out of which they've got to pay their coach, their accommodation yeah. and their flights. Um, right. And... And if you lose in the first round at Shrewsbury, you you go home with eighty quid. So you know the the money in tennis is there, providing you get once you get into the top one hundred, you're in the Grand Slams. If you're in the Grand yeah. Slams, if you lose in the first round at the Grand Slam, you pick up thirty five thousand pounds. There's four Grand Slams a year, so get into the first round of the Grand yeah. Slams, you're, you're doing right. okay. You've got some other tournaments that you'll play, and you and you win. You, you, so. But but get outside the top one hundred, and it's a it's a real battle. And so when people are battling in that way, um, that's where I think um, some great stories come out about how to how how to live out your life. So I'm going to try and tell those stories in a in an interesting way in my next book. Well, all this talk of tennis has made me thirsty. I think I might go get some juice. <sighs> now you see that doesn't quite work because it's no, actually juice. No, it doesn't, doesn't work, juice. does it? And you've Doesn't been working work. on that one ever since I started talking about tennis. You know I can see your mind working <laughs> over. Uh, yeah, it's worried. Dave, thanks so much for your time. Like, <laughs> it's been great just fun. listening to you, I'm just like, how has he had time to come and speak to us? So really, really appreciate it. And um, we've got a little book club on um, this Eden podcast. So, you know, if you send us over a copy, you might be able to Absolutely. do a little book clubby Thing I'm all for self-promotion, so I promise you, exactly. you'll be one of the first ones to get a copy comes off the press. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks so much for your time. And if people would like it, you've got Twitter. You just tweeted me, didn't you? Yeah. Um, what's your Twitter so people can stay in touch with you? So I'm at Dave Courteen. Mm-hmm. Um, my surname is spelt Courteen as though it was 14, but with a C instead of a, yeah. instead of the F. So that's the, I'm at, I'm at Dave Courteen. I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook, on the, with the same, with the same. Even your name, name. is Tennessee. Do you think? Yeah, court. 
I always, I always think it's, it's, it's very unusual that it rhymes with the A14, Day, A14, oh, yeah. Dave 14. I spend half my life on it. There so, you go. Uh, there you go. That, that's probably a curse, <laughs> isn't it? Well, thanks so much for joining us. Alex, thanks so much for producing this episode. You've done an amazing, amazing job. I've been at Benjamin Lasky to catch up with all the Eden Gathering stuff. You know where to go. It's edengathering.co.uk. And we will see you on the 6th of September at the Eden Gathering at the Mixstow Market. But also, you know that we have food nights and social action that you can sign up to. Go on the website. Also, please subscribe to this website, however you're listening this um, podcast, however you're listening to this um, on iTunes or whatever. Just leave a little like rating and a little review that will really help us out. And uh, well, I'll speak to you next week. Alex, play the music. <laughs>